We'd rather be here. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa Wild jumped out to a 2-0 series lead over the Milwaukee Admirals. As heard last night on KXNO, here's Joe O'Donnell as the Wild take the lead. Period. Now Donato left circle. Resting one off the goal. Rebound. They score! Wild a game away from advancing in the Calder Cup playoffs. Game 3 slated for Thursday night in Milwaukee at 7 o'clock. Game 7, overtime, Stanley Cup playoffs. Nothing better last night. The Sharks and the Golden Knights. Stone had the puck but gave it back to Eric Carlson. Carlson comes in. Here's Buckley Gilbert. The call from NBC Sports. The NBA for a night at least got interesting, and Dame Lillard comes up big late. Lillard, long range three, and it's good! At the buzzer! Damian Lillard, are you kidding me? Brian Anderson with the call from TNT as Portland advances with a 4-1 series victory. To baseball, and the Cardinals do it again to the Brewers. As DeYoung hits one out to right center, it's at the wall! The call from Fox Sports Midwest. The Cardinals now with the best record in the National League at 14-9. In Chicago, the Cubs jump to an early lead. Silverst is in. Here comes Bryant. Fires around third. Relay throw. The call from NBC Sports Chicago. Cubs and Dodgers. Series continues tonight at 7.05. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. You know, you work with the only Canadian, perhaps, who never got into this band. You're not a Rush No, I never was. Not sure why. Well... As Emery was filling in for you last week, I asked him, who are you into? Rush. Rush. A kid in his 20s that enjoys horse racing and rush. <laughs> and boxing? <laughs> Don't tell me, right? Uh, good stuff. Uh, thank you, Emery, for doing that. You did a very nice job, I'm told, as well. Hey, so I wanted to... We talked about Carter Schulte at the end of the mm-hmm. last hour, the fact that the AAF is disbanded and those players have now been snapped up. So I'm flying home from Vegas on Sunday, and I've told you how much I love Southwest because you yeah. can watch TV and it's free and the time seems to go so fast. Um, and I was watching the NFL Network at some point, and I didn't realize this, but I thought I found it interesting. I hope you do. You were what? What year were you born? Eighty one. Eighty. Eighty. So you're three. <laughs> you probably don't. Eighty three. Elway. No, it was nineteen eighty four. Is where I'm going. Oh, okay. So it's um, the, the New York Giants had Lawrence Taylor already starting to terrorize quarterbacks. Right, mm-hmm. Parcells is there by then. But they brought up the 1984 supplemental draft and what might have been. And this was the USFL was going at the time. Mm-hmm. And the NFL wanted to draft these guys because they knew it was going to implode at some point. Right. But didn't want to waste picks in the real draft just in case, you know, that made it, it, it happened okay. that, that it succeeded. So the Giants had the third pick. Lawrence Taylor's already there. The first overall pick was Steve Young. 
who left, where, where did he play? Wherever he did. He ended up in Tampa Bay as the quarterback there with the awful Buccaneers team. And then Was he with the Gamblers? He might have been, Trent. I don't remember. Was that the Houston Gamblers? No, that was um, no, that was Jim Kelly. I Jim think. Kelly. Okay. I think it was Kelly. Uh, and then Mike Rozier went too. But the Giants are on the clock. And Parcells is politicking, lobbying as hard as he possibly can for this player from the Memphis franchise of the United States oh. Football League. I know where you're going there when you said that. <laughs> right. And and whoever the general manager was, now he's, he's going to win this vote. And he took Gary Zimmerman, who's a Hall of Famer, yes, but never played a never played a snap for the Giants. Would get to the Vikings and then end up in Denver, where he won a Super Bowl. So with the third pick, they took Gary Zimmerman and left on the board, who the Philadelphia Eagles took very quickly with pick number four, maybe the greatest defensive lineman of all time. The minister of sack. The minister of sack, Reggie White. But it's just, I forgot all about that. I'm not sure I even knew that. But can you imagine the Giants with Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White? Can you imagine? You couldn't do anything. Nothing. And in that era... I mean, the physicality. Oh, great point. The way that they played. And then and knock not, your block off. Not only those two guys, you got Carl Banks on the inside. Yeah, he was drafted in 1984 he, oh. in the regular draft. Holy cow. Yeah. So I thought... I thought The 85 Bear defense yeah. might not be as go. well, well yeah. acclaimed if that came to fruition. Wow. Isn't that something? Reggie White. You know my love of what ifs. Uh-huh. You, know, you and I, we don't get into summertime. We don't get into Mount Rushmore's a whole lot. No. But what ifs are, are a game that I like to play? Of course, they never came to fruition, but just that alternate path. Are a lot of sports fans you think that way, or is that maybe just one of my um, goofy kind of? Uh, no, I think there's that, probably. Yeah, I think there's probably some of that happening out there. Yeah, where if if we would have just got this guy, right, or if this game would have went differently, the path mm-hmm. of a program of mm-hmm. an organization, whatever it may be. Maybe it's also a long-suffering fan just trying to find different ways to get right. excited. Well, I mean, Cyclone fans can play what if George Niang didn't get hurt forever, and that's absolutely yes. legitimate. What if they called Seneca Wallace's touchdown an actual touchdown yeah. against Florida State? Yeah, absolutely. He what was if, in. What if? What, what if? if? Great points. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some what ifs maybe this summer. Yes. So we've got a long few months ahead of us. Uh, so last night, basketball-wise, I didn't see very much of it at all. Uh, Monte Morris, how about the... Boy, he's going to make a lot of money, isn't yes. he? He's yeah. going to make a lot of money. Is he going to make... Uh, considering the way the salaries are now, right? Hornchuk made a lot of money. He's going to make $50 million plus. Absolutely is. He... He is. He's playing twenty plus minutes for a playoff basketball team. The roster construction, I think, helps Monte Morris. They don't really. They don't start a true point guard out there, right? With the way that they play, with Murray handling the ball a whole lot, and, uh-huh. and of course what they have in the middle with a, a guy that, with yeah, the passing something. ability for a center. Right. With joking, but he is a guy that can he be a starter on a championship team, starting point guard, maybe. But he's going to have to have a lot of really mm-hmm. good players around him. But if you're a playoff team, if you're a team that's bad and looking for a starter and a guy that's going to nurture your your culture, absolutely you give that guy a four-year, $50 million contract. And he's a four-year college kid. It can be done. It can be done, and he's a perfect example, and I couldn't be rooting for him any harder. What he did for his hometown, Flint, and what Iowa State did there with the water and the high V was involved, that was... uh, uh, that one resonated. That one won't soon be forgotten. And you're right about Murray. And Murray missed all that time this year. And Monty Morris gets his opportunity and took every single advantage that he could of it, too. So right away last night, uh, flipped on 
No, I, I was still here. I actually finished up Fanatics, and I see Raptors out to a 13-2 lead over the Magic. Right. Oh, I can't get any worse than that. Then the Sixers got out to like a 23-2 lead over the Nets. <laughs> and both Conference. those series are over, right? Yeah, they're yes, both done. They're, they're both done. Yep. So we are limping our way to the uh-huh. finish of this first so round. So Denver and the Spurs, they're what? 3-2 Denver, right? There's some drama there, but Back what else? San Antonio on Thursday for that one, and uh-huh. then a Game 7 would be on Saturday if necessary. I uh, hope it's not. Tonight, well, Rockets can clinch at home. Mm-hmm. 3-1 up there. Warriors can clinch at home. Up 3-1. We're probably going to see both those finish. Well, but sure, that, the that's Warriors. the series that I want to see more than anything. More than what the finals turns out to be. Houston against Golden State. It's the most compelling matchup that we can get. I think so. I want to see Giannis uh, on, yeah. on a big stage. That'll be cool. Too. That yeah. that would be because he's so special. But does he move the NBA needle? I highly doubt that. Um, we'll see. Anyways, we'll take a timeout. Jordan Burnfield's going to slide on in here. Want to uh, go back to last night's Cubs game? Boy, that was entertaining. Javi Baez. I think he's the most entertaining player in. Team sports. Is he? I think that's fair characterization. See, you don't know Connor McDavid. You know who he is. Know who he is. Edmonton Oilers. Right, right. And Flaunting is this, my hot Yes, knowledge. you are. As fast of a player as I've ever seen in the history of the game. And there's been some guys with speed. He's unbelievable. But Javier Baez, it's every single night. And it's just not, he's not a one-trick pony, right? He's not a home run. He's it's not, not a Sosa McGuire, just hitting bombs. Bing, bing, bing. Yes, it's last night running to first base. Swipe tag. Uh, avoiding being tagged out at second or at home or whatever base he's on. Most complete player in baseball? If he keeps up these numbers offensively, well, after ball, what he put up a yeah. year ago, Yes. And we know defensively he's great. He's the best tagger either of us have ever seen. Ever seen. And he took a while to get to the show. Remember that? Yes. They weren't yeah. certain. Uh, he's, is Pulling he a tweener? Swing. Yes. Get yeah. a strikeout a Got ton. Got these attitude problems. Really? Yes. Haven't seen a single, haven't seen anything no. of that. Um, great stuff out of Javier Baez. Jordan Burnfield next. Uh, we will talk Chicago sports and Robbie Gould. Maybe, maybe not. It's time to go for the with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword WATER to 200-200 right now. Uh, enter to win $1,000 cash. That's WATER to 200-200. Standard message and data rate supply. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14. For details. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, still to come, about 15 minutes away. Uh, Let's head to Chicago, shall we? Jordan Burnfield, you heard him do a bunch of basketball games this year, Big Ten Network, uh, ESPN, NBC Sports. Uh, Jordan, good to talk to you. Trent and Ken, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. You had um, those Horizon League Friday nights. Came up uh, appointment TV. I uh, did a nice job there, Jordan. Seemingly every Friday night you had a game. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, that's a fun league, isn't it? Uh, those teams are you know, really competitive. The last uh, year or two, it's been very tight in terms of nobody's really uh, been a dominant team at the top. But uh, that's what makes for great games. We had some... Nice finishes at the end, that's for sure. No so, doubt about I it. appreciate you watching. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Trent and I talking about this earlier, and it seemingly, 
you know, you'd be hard pressed uh, to uh, certainly a week go by where Javi Baez just makes you go, oh my God, I, I've never seen that before. Can you believe he did that? Well, we saw that again last night, and we're trying to come up with a couple of names. You know, the most I think he may be the most entertaining player. In sports, certainly Mahomes in Kansas City, no look passes. Connor McDavid, when he picks up the puck behind his own net and gets ahead of speed, it's unbelievable to watch. Zion is Zion. But Javi Baez, is he in this conversation? You know, I think it's a really interesting question, Ken. My inclination would be to say that I don't think that nationally he would be thought of in this way um, because I don't know if he's a big enough star yet. You know, even though. We know in the Midwest, and certainly, uh, you know, fans that are watching the Cubs every day see all these things that Javi does, and I agree with you. I think he is one of the most exciting players, um, not only in baseball, but in sports. But you know, I just feel like the guys that you mentioned with them, you know, I think that the average person would go, oh, yeah, Zion, that guy is so exciting. Look at the dunks. Look at all the ways that he affects a, a basketball game. Or they might say, man, you know, Patrick Mahomes is just lighting up the field every week. I don't know that Javi Baez has that Q rating yet. That being said, I think he deserves to be in that conversation for sure just because, you know, every day, you're, you're right. I mean, yesterday, you know, deeks out the first baseman and ends up on first base. You know, the way that he's able to take extra bases and make these magician kind of slides where he's contorting his arms and legs to not get tagged. I mean, the stuff he's doing day in, day out is sensational. But, you know, I think that while he would probably deserve to be in that conversation, um, something tells me that not enough people know about it yet. You know, another middle infielder making his way back off of a suspension beginning here in Des Moines is Addison Russell. As you look forward, and when he gets back with the big league squad, what's the reaction, what's the welcoming back process going to be for Chicago Cubs fans? Uh, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what the reaction is totally, Trent, but I, my thought is that it's going to be pretty mixed, but probably more on the negative side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be some people that will cheer him because, you know, inevitably there are always fans that will attempt to show support. I think that there are going to be plenty of fans that will probably boo him. Um, I think it's going to be a very odd sort of reaction, and I'm very curious to see what it's going to be. You know, for me, I think that what he did, um, allegedly or, or otherwise, is is obviously abhorrent behavior, um, but because the Cubs are choosing to let him rehab himself as a person, um, I think that there's going to be a pretty you know, quick leash on him if something were to go haywire. Uh, that might be the end of his Cubs career. I, I think in, that, in a sense, there's a nobility in what they're trying to do and trying to give somebody a second chance. You know, whether he deserves it or not, I think is, is certainly debatable. And um, but I think that you know the fact that that they're giving that to him in a certain way could be um, considered a, a nice thing to do. Even though I don't know that he, like I said, maybe deserves that chance. But you know, I think that really what it's going to come down to is if he performs and. Now, Javi Baez has taken that shortstop position yep. and has done an incredible job. So if Russell comes back and plays short, um, you know, if he plays well at short, then presumably fans will, you know, eventually kind of look the other way and, and let him perform to help the team. Um, but I think it's going to be weird. I, I do. I think that, um, you know, it was weird when they got Chapman. Yep. You know, once he 
was performing well. Uh, I think people kind of said, well, hey, not to like the stuff that he did, but he's helping him win. And I sort of feel like as sports fans, we sort of parse that out um, often when it comes to athletes that have, you know, committed crimes or, or done things that are highly immoral or whatever it, it may be. So um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm certainly uh, looking forward, in a sense, to seeing what the reaction is because I think it'll, it'll speak value no matter what it is. Jordan Burnfield joining us from Chicago. Uh, Jordan, we've seen Quintana have uh, occasional good outings, you know, double-digit strikeouts, and then, you know, very uh, very infrequently does he follow that up with another good start. Well, he's now working on a string of three outstanding starts by uh, Quintana. What is he doing? Th- what's he done differently? Uh, I think that from what I'm seeing, he is repeating his delivery in a way that we had not seen him do. And he seems to have command of all of his pitches. You know, when I watched him pitch for the White Sox, and I'm sure you guys would recall this when you watched the White Sox, he was always underappreciated, I think, because there was a guy who was throwing strikes consistently and had a very repeatable, smooth delivery, which allowed him, I think, to get the swings and misses that he did because he was throwing fastballs and change-ups with that same arm action and that same delivery, and so it was very hard to pick up. I think that as a Cub, the last couple of years, we have not seen that, and as a consequence of that, you know, he's been throwing fewer change-ups because he has less uh, confidence in it, and I think that his performance just decreased. You know, he was throwing a lot more fastballs, breaking ball was not always thrown for a strike, and so he'd have to come in on guys, and he doesn't have overpowering stuff, so he'd start to get tattooed a little bit. Um, I also think that he's motivated, guys, frankly. I mean, who wouldn't be motivated by this, you know, the fact that Eloy Jimenez is now in the White Sox and, you know, all the talk shows and media are going to go, well, you know, the White Sox won that trade because he's this great prospect and what has Quintana really done for the Cubs? He hasn't been what they paid for, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's kind of all these things starting to come together. I think mechanically he's much better and looks like the pitcher we saw more on the White Sox the last few starts. And then secondly, I think he's motivated because who the heck wouldn't be? (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Well, from the pitching staff uh, to the bullpen, another concern over the weekend about Morrow and his viability, maybe for this season. The bullpen has been much better than we saw the first week, week and a half of the season, no doubt. But it's still, you got Strope at the back end of it. You're mixing and matching some pieces. I thought last night, young guy did it, came in a really nice job. Yeah. But overall, this is still a bullpen that feels like it has holes. Without a whole lot of financial flexibility, what do you see being done with the bullpen? You know, I think that they're going to have to kind of deal with what the bullpen is. Here's what I would say about the bullpen. You know, I think that the first eight, nine games of the year, and first of all, the Cubs were basically the worst team in baseball for the first eight games of the year. But I think that we all kind of thought, watching this, well, they can't be this bad. I mean, I, I remember watching that. Atlanta series where they were throwing the ball all over the place and making errors. The bullpen was horrible. And, you know, obviously you're watching social media and listening to people and, and fans are all saying, well, maybe they're rebuilding. And I remember, you know, Ken Rosenthal, and who I think is one of the best baseball writers going and baseball personalities have written an article saying like, not that the Cubs are done, but if they're done, here's what they might be able to trade. And I remember thinking to myself like, this is crazy. You know, they've played eight games. There's no way this team the worst team in the league. Maybe they'll underachieve this year, and that might be the case anyway, but they're not the worst team in the league. So I think that 
at the beginning of the year, all the things that we worried about with the bullpen were exposed, right? I mean, nobody pitched well. Uh, nobody looked good in high-leverage situations. But in the last 11, 12 games, 13 games maybe, uh, the Cubs' bullpen, I think, is a 1.85 ERA, which they probably won't keep up the whole year um, because I think that's probably pitching over their heads. But this is all to say that I think that, yes, there are issues with the bullpen. Yes, Brandon Morrow being out is obviously going to be something that they're going to have to address if they can't get him onto the field. Um, but they've already made some moves that would indicate that they're trying to get this thing fixed. You know, Carl Edwards Jr. is in the minor leagues, hurt right now, um, but when he returns uh, to pitching for Iowa, you know, presumably maybe they can get him worked out. Um, I think they're going to have to add a bullpen arm somewhere. Uh, how they do that with limited money I think is going to be you know, something that Theo and Jed are going to have to get creative about. Um, but I think that their bullpen, you know, just as they kind of did last year, guys, at the end of the year, is probably not as bad as everyone's concern is, but it's definitely not one of the best in the league. But is it good enough to not kill them? You know, I think that's really what, what this all comes down to, and I think it probably is good enough to not kill them if their starting pitching continues to be as good as it's been over the last 10, 12 days. Hmm. Jordan, we have a minute left. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, one being everything is fine, nothing's wrong. Ten being, oh, my God, what has happened? And I'm talking about Chris Bryant. Where are you on the on the what's wrong with Chris Bryant scale of alarm? Yeah, I mean, you guys know that I, I think that I'm – pretty pragmatic when it comes to these things generally but i would have to admit that i'm i'm kind of concerned here um i would say we're probably at a five or a six right now uh the reason is is that you know last year when he got hurt and he returned after the injury you could just see and you guys know you watch this every day you could see that his his uh batting stance was different his swing plane was different he was not following through because obviously there was an injury then they tell us after the season that, hey, you know, he doesn't need surgery. He's 100%. I mean, in spring training, everyone said, oh, he's 100%. He's 100%. And he seemed to hit the ball pretty decently in spring training. Then he clobbers that home run on opening day, and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe this is the Chris Bryant we saw pre-injury last season who had a great start to the year. Um, but right now he just looks like he's lunging at the ball. He's not hitting the ball in the air. He is not driving the ball at all for power. And – you know, I think that when you look at uh, what he's doing right now, he's just not, uh, you know, a feared hitter at this point. You know, he is striking out and not hitting the ball um, with any kind of authority, and he's not hitting in the clutch at all. So, you know, it's early in the year. Um, I think that obviously if this continues into May and June, then you're going to be really concerned. But the funny thing is we were talking about, a few months ago with all these guys getting contracts, well, you know, the Cubs going to end up paying Chris Bryant 10 years and $300 million, all this stuff. Right now he doesn't look like a player that would ever come close to warranting that. So they got to get him going. I, I think that this lineup has shown that it's, it's much better this year and that they figured some things out. Um, Anthony Rizzo, typically a slow starter, I think will get going shortly. But if Bryant doesn't hit, that's one thing that they can't really account for. So uh, the concern is there. I don't know. Um, how they get him right, but they're going to have to figure something out soon because he's a big part of the team and they just can't have him. Final thing, we'll let you go on this one. Quick hit here, just about 30 seconds left. Bears draft, no first-rounder, obviously, after what they did bringing in Khalil Mack. What do you expect, uh, what are you hoping for to see out of the Bears here in the NFL draft? 
Um, I think that they're probably going to take a running back, even though I think Ryan Pace said what yesterday that you know that they're fine with what they have. I, I don't know that they. I don't know that I believe that. I think we all know NFL GMs are liars at this time. Of year. Yep. <laughs> so I would expect that they're probably going to take a running back at some point. And I think that other than that, it's crazy to say, but they really are in a good position with a lot of these guys. So my guess is they'll take best available player the rest of the way, but I would be shocked if they don't take a running back, at least with one of their first couple picks. Good to catch up with you, Jordan. Thank you. You too, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Jordan Burnfield, Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Network, ESPN, and uh, NBC Sports Network. We'll take a time out. Mark Morehouse on the Hawks next. Miller and Condon, 1460K. Sparkle Run. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Portions of the program brought to us by Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. Couple of locations over in Eastern Polk County, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Dr. Fuller is my dentist. If you're new to the area, if you've moved from one side of town to the other, or it's been a while and you can't remember who the last dentist is that you saw, it's been so long. Uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. Let's get Mark Morehouse in here. Trent, I promise I'm only going to ask one hockey question, then we'll okay, get right to okay. the Hawks. I, I, Limit it to one. What did you used to do to Brinson? What did oh, you give him on the NBA? Him, uh, Jimmy B's crappy NBA minute? That's what it was. Uh, you guys could have more than that because I, I entertained last night by the hot. It really. Mark, have you ever seen a five-minute major where the, uh, the team on the power play scores four times? I've never seen that in my life. I've not seen it in the NHL. I might have seen it maybe wreck. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Fantasy hockey. Uh, you, got you guys, last night between the, the, the Sharks, and what happened there, and then uh, uh, Lillard and the and the Blazers. Yeah, was that the best uh, midnight sports viewing on a Tuesday, random Tuesday night in the history of sports? Wish I could uh, say yeah. I saw it. Ken's <laughs> a little under the weather. There's no staying up till midnight. Ken, Ken is right, though. I mean, four power play goals. Now people don't understand how physical faceoffs are. Right. I'm not sure I would have. I'm not sure. Nor would I. Major. I'm not even sure I would have called that a penalty. That's not a penalty, I, Mark. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did, though, because boy, oh boy, did that. Uh, oh man! I mean, we would we would not have gotten that drama, but I do think the call was shaky. And if yeah. I were a Golden uh, Knights fan, I would have I would have th- thrown my TV out in the front yard. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, let's get to the Hawks, Mark and uh, Phil Parker, Brian Ferentz, uh were in front of you guys yesterday answering your questions. You know, which of which of those two do you think has, has seen? More progress. When when the 15 practices started, they both had things they wanted to get done and things they needed to see. Do you think that Brian Ferentz is happier with the offense where it has come in the time, or Phil Parker is happy with some of the questions that have been answered on defense? Well, it depends on how much live work they've done. I can't imagine there's been a ton of it because there are so many. Uh, you know, the lava's really not set up this team yet, uh, so, uh, the defensive side of the ball has this guy, A.J. Epineza, who he's not bad about the offense to do anything in practice. So, I'm going to guess Phil Parker, just because it feels more. I thought they had a big breakthrough last year with a 4 2 5 in the mm-hmm. cash position. I think that was a monumental deal for Iowa's defense to be, to, to, uh, not really cave there, but to adjust, to change their thinking, to, 
put another defensive back on the field to give themselves a chance to better cover the spread. So I think they're fine-tuning that. And so right now I think Bill's probably a little bit happier with his, with his dudes than Brian is because, you know, what – what, I think what Brian really needs to see is improvement in the running game. I'm not sure you get a good read on that in spring football. Fair point. Offensively, you look at some of the national numbers, and I thought, interesting, I saw a few different people yesterday talking about total offense, not good. Scoring offense, better. And then when you talk about pace and pace of play and those adjusted efficiency numbers, we talk about them a lot in basketball, not so much in football. Mark, is that a summer project for you? Maybe digging in deeper to some analytical-type numbers? No, but I do want to do an analytics box, uh, you know, box scores. I want to do an analytical yeah. box score, an advanced stats box score next fall. I'm hoping, if we don't do that on Saturday, I hope we do it on Sunday next fall because I do think that adds some enlightenment to what mm-hmm. we're doing in the game and um, helps people see the game in different ways. Um yeah, I think if you if you well, I was offense. I think Brian said yesterday that you know basically the offense is there to protect the defense. It took me twenty years to figure that out, and it really is. And if you look at what they want to get out of the offense, time of possession is supremely important. I think the, the outback ball was a fantastic example of that. Now they weren't going to go anywhere in the, in the running game, and I think they knew that. I think fans knew that. So when that's when that you know when they hit the wall there. Uh, what they do? Well, they threw a long touchdown pass to Nick Easley because they set it up really well. They they kept their patience. They showed their looks. They they invested in trying to look like they wanted to wanted to run the ball, and it paid off on that one play. And you know they won the game by five points. So uh, I, I think people, you know, if you if you look at Iowa's offense, yeah, the the, the raw numbers are going to be ugly most years. But most years, I think there are a couple of one. My most important number is thirty points a game. And you're right, Trent. Last year they were thirty-one eight. That's only been done been done twice in ten years, and I think both those. I think it was 2015 was the last one. So when Iowa does that, when Iowa is at 30 points, that's a good thing. But 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 Iowa doesn't have to be at 30 points to have a good season either. Hmm. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, one of the question marks going into the uh, spring practice was uh, identifying depth on the defensive uh, on the defensive line. Uh, John Wagner, kid from Dowling, he's uh, seemingly ready to play now. Is he one of the guys that's getting talked about? Of course, Nixon was the big buzz uh, buzz name this off season. Woody or won't he? And he's going to. Uh, so, how about mm-hmm. defensive line depth? Are they de- have they maybe not comfortable, but are they identifying those guys that they think that they can plug in? Uh, I'll, I'll say this about John Wagner. I'm really interested in seeing him play because uh, we really haven't yet. So Friday, this Friday, 5:30, uh, media and family get to, to get to see the Hawkeye Spring practice thingy. I don't know what the form will be, but I really do want to see John Wagner. He was a very highly highly talented recruit. He's a big, big developed guy. I just want to see where maybe how if he's quick enough, does he is explosive enough, is he sudden enough on the edge? But I think he's got a big enough body where I think he can play a whole bunch of different things, and he's only a redshirt freshman. So I don't think there's a final answer on him. I'm just interested to see where he's headed. But I do think Iowa can get to eight defensive linemen next year, and I think that's hugely important. Yesterday we listened to Phil say how important the defensive line was for Iowa's defense last year. Uh, I think it still has a chance to be pretty good. Uh, I think they, they did, maybe the tackles have a chance with if Davion Nixon can – you know, can get in there and be, you know, maybe what we think he should be. Uh, I think that the tackles have a chance to be better. Uh, and then A.J. Epineza, as you know, I don't uh, – can Chauncey Golston be maybe Anthony Nelson-like? 
I think he can. So I think the defensive line has another chance to really hold the fort for Iowa. And, uh, uh, John Wagner's a guy I really want to see Friday, for sure. So when Wally Zerbiak in Miami of Ohio comes to town, I don't think Wally's still part of uh, the university, but <laughs> when they come in, who trots out of the field for Iowa defensively at the cash position first? I think it's D.J. Johnson. He's been the name that has been brought up most and the most consistently. And yesterday I did think it was interesting, Phil Parker, you know, last year it was Amani Hooker who kind of, uh, the inaugural season of that position, he ran it. He was a safety. He moved over from strong safety. It was interesting, Phil Parker yesterday said he wants a corner to do it. He wants more coverage. Now, his justification there, you know, a lot of times you want a bigger body there because teams can maybe scheme at that spot uh, and run right over you. Uh, I thought it was interesting. He, he said, you know, that guy's going to be covering a wide receiver. He can, he'll be able to hold his own in, in the running game there. They're not worried about that. And so they want a corner. And I think, I, I, I think DJ Johnson, but I, he threw in Julian, Julius Brent's name at the end of that. Uh, Brent's is a 6'2, 200 pound kid now. Last year he was 6'2, 180-ish. Now he's closer to 200. I'm kind of intrigued by that. That would make some sense, and they've got the luxury of having some size at that position, no doubt about it. If he's up to 200 pounds, uh, that might be the answer. Um, you know, Nate Stanley, it's his job, but and and maybe that's the reason there seemingly hasn't been a lot of conversation about the quarterback spot because it's a foregone conclusion. What kind of spring has he had? What did, was Brian asked about his QB yesterday? I, I thought it was. I, I thought Brian said exactly the thing you need to say about. Nate Stanley. I mean, he's done a lot, and he's a senior, and he's accomplished a lot. But and I, and I, having three years or however many years now of talking to Stanley after games and before games, you know, a lot. I do think what Brian said yesterday. He's focused on improvement, and that's really kind of the bottom line for him. If if Stanley improves, I think he can be a high draft pick, maybe even a second round, maybe even a first round. If he puts up incredible numbers. So I think that there's a lot on the line this season for him professionally in, in the game of football. It'll be interesting to see how far he can take that. Uh, I, I think, you know, if he gets the help he needs, you know, if he gets the blocking he needs, he's, I think his pocket presence is one thing that still is still needs improvement. But uh, if he focuses on improvement and if he actually improves, and well, that's going to be worth a win or two for Iowa, and it's going to be worth, a couple, I think, at least a couple rounds for him in the draft. Mark, NFL draft starts tomorrow. Expected two Hawkeyes. It is, uh, you talked with Brian, I, I think, about this yesterday, a chance for the football program to be spotlighted, to be seen nationally. Now, I don't know how many 17-year-old kids are watching the NFL draft. I'm sure there are a few, but it's something more I think you can make into a promotional type thing that you show when the kids actually come onto campus. How do you think the university is going to use this? Good question. I don't know. Uh, I think it's already started to work for them, though, Trent. And if you notice... The, the stars and mm-hmm. the tight end recruits who have already been through. They got a commitment from a kid, and his name is escaping me right now. I want to say three or four star kid, but you know, I think Brian's kind of on the lookout for Gronk. This kid was like six five, <laughs> six six, two forty. Uh, the vocal Kellick kid. I, I'm, I know I'm blowing that. Uh, transferring in. They're looking at Iowa among other schools. Uh, wants to transfer out of Rutgers. 6'6 six, six guy, 240-ish. I think Brian is kind of looking for his Gronk guy, and I think it's gonna he's going to get him because uh, they already got the one guy. I want to say, uh, I'm blanking on the name. I'm sorry, maybe you guys know. Uh, I'm sure that your listeners know. Anyway, they got him. They're looking at this other kid from Rutgers. 
those guys are high-level targets. They they had the the Theo kid in for Canada. These are all high-level targets. So I think it's already working for them. Now you factor in Thursday night, which should be you know ESPN is they don't there's a producer, but they you know it's going to be a fairly obvious storyline. Two tight ends going the first round from the same school. I think I was going to be on TV a lot on Thursday night, you guys. I do too. Was Coach Ferentz going? You know, I oh, shoot, I didn't ask that. I should have. Um, a lot of coaches do go. Yeah, Ferris has never been a guy who's been in that sort of background. The last time I, last award show I remember him going to is maybe the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, that's kind of not a scene, but other coaches will be there because they're mm-hmm. going to use this. Kyler, uh, Lincoln Riley will be there with Kyler Murray because he wants to promote the Oklahoma brand. I think that's smart, and when you get to that level, things like this really, really matter. Off the ball, weird final question for you. With the, well, we're waiting for Governor Reynolds to sign the sports gambling bill. You, as a newspaper beat writer for the Iowa Hawkeyes, is it going to change? I know I send it to you and Doc and your guys' podcast over unders all the time. I know you know about gambling, but is it yeah. going to change how you are as a writer or, or maybe what your bosses say you need to be as a writer? You know, good question. Um, That's two, by the way, Trent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I. I it, it will enter my content more. I, it'll this, I'll, I'll probably have a thing every week, uh, not a very long thing, but the, the spread will be something we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, injury news that uh, you know a couple years ago, uh, I found out the night before. This is two thousand, I think six or eight, somewhere in there. I found out uh, Drew Tate wasn't going to play against Syracuse. I remember that I well. That inform- <laughs> I remember. I imagine that information would be highly valuable right now or in the coming weeks and months and games and whatever with sports betting. I don't know what to do with that information. Back then I had nowhere to put it because I wasn't really even on the Internet. But uh, <laughs> now I'm totally on the Internet, and, man, that's, uh, that's a lot. You know what? It's going to be weird You know, if I report something like that and I actually physically see me moving the line <laughs> uh, let's bring it. You know, I don't. It's a new day. It's new day and age. And, uh, I'm I'm for the sports gambling thing. I'm not a sports gambler. I'm not a gambler at all, really. But I am. I I do think that's an element of entertainment. And I don't. You know what? I I'm all, I'm for it. It's fine. You know, have fun with it. You know, last year, Mark, uh, as we go back to Chicago Big Ten Media Days, as you well recall, it was a talking point. Delaney brought it up. A couple of the coaches yeah. brought it up. How are they going to handle it? And then they didn't do anything about it. Uh, now that it's, you know, <laughs> full-blown as it is seemingly, right. something's got to change in advance of this season. There's got to be some transparency. What did they call it? They were going to call it some kind of report. It wasn't an injury list. Oh, what was yeah. the term Delaney uh, uh, used? Uh, uh, eligibility report? Something like that, yeah. Um, don't but you I think that I remember Harbaugh was asked about that. Harbaugh is a coach who doesn't yeah. to give the uh, uh, out uh, depth chart during the week. So, and he said, "Oh yeah, we'll open the books on that. Yeah. We'll see on that." I, I think I think they'll have to, and I think that's probably straightforward. Is probably the way to do it. Uh, if you have an injury, report it, and and then let let every line move or whatever. I think transparency is needed there. Yep. And you're, I'm with you, Ken. I'm, I'm skeptical on whether we get it. We shall see. Mark, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. It was a huge talking point, Trent, last yes, year in Chicago. Yes. And then nothing happened. Nothing. But they didn't have to at that time. No, but it seemed like they were going to. I think it was just the opening salvo. See, I never read it the way that you did because you felt we were going to get an injury yeah. report. And I now, eight states, including Iowa, mm-hmm. and New Jersey in the footprint, 
of the Big Ten, Pennsylvania, you kind of, don't you have to? I, I, I think so. I, well, I think they all do. Right, right. I, well, we'll see how that, uh, that's handled. That's something to watch, right? Speaking of something to watch, Game 7 tonight? Yeah, you know, it's of the series, the Caps and the Hurricanes was the, yeah, I've, I've watched a little of it. I watched Svechnikov get his block clean by right. clock clean by Ovechkin. Um I'll watch, but yeah. I'm gonna watch the Cubs a lot tonight. I don't know. This Cubs team I like watching these Cubbies play. Got Brewers Cardinals this afternoon. Yeah, it's coming right up uh, up right away, is it not? Yes. Gio Gonzalez is a brewer, by the way, as they add to their pitching staff. They he is no that. longer unemployed. Uh Cole Hamels tonight, I know goes for Chicago. I'm not sure. Bueller. Oh, Mr. Bueller, yeah. the youngster. That'll be a pretty good matchup. Well, the Cubbies were last night. That's a good offense that uh, Quintana shut down. Mm-hmm. Good Absolutely. offense. Uh, Murph and Andy are next. Are you sitting in for the Fanatics today? I will. I'll be in Ross's chair today from 4 until 6 and then hosting Hawk Central from 6 until 7 o'clock tonight. You are tonight? tonight? I am. Boy, oh boy. Getting called up. That's five hours of Trent Condon here on 1460 KX. Give the people what they want. You got to. Um, uh, The morning rush starts it all again tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here. 1460 KX. Des Moines. Last hour on the herd. Okay. Here's kind of where I fall on this: is that the fact that they're they're still considering taking Kyler Murray? That's basically code for we're taking him. We're just waiting for the best offer for Josh Rosen. That's what it feels like for me. There's more to come right now in the herd. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and you guys can laugh at me all you want. This, this is the herd. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With Colin Cowherd. I'm setting the tone. This show on radio. This is the herd. Broadcasting live from Los Angeles. The herd with Colin Cowherd starts now. Here we go, live in LA, hour two. This is the herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, we are again live in beautiful Los Angeles on iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio. And FS1, Rick Buecher in 15 minutes. Joy Taylor is joining me on a very fast and frenetic first hour of the show. Draft is tomorrow. Wife even acknowledged to me she's going out tomorrow. How's she just going to let you be, huh? It's just me. Me and an iPad and like four TVs. Unbelievable. <laughs> so happy. I mean, honey, I love you. But I got a chance to see the Jets, you know, pick an interior alignment. I'm not using coasters tomorrow. I'm putting Corona's up. On the table. Nice. We're going to have more than one beer. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, the idea of watching interior linemen drafted is fascinating to me. It's a meat and potatoes draft. It is a meat and potatoes draft after the first pick, of course, which will probably be a quarterback. Um, what's the hardest thing in the world to do? Lift big weight, run real fast. I, I contend the hardest thing in the world to do is to get successful people to change. They just don't. Money makes us think we're smarter than we are. Uh, success is a, a body armor. It is really hard to get smart people to change. Smart, successful people. And I put successful more than smart. Some people that are successful aren't that smart. They're just successful for whatever reasons. Uh, Bobby Knight, really successful. Uh, Bobby, one and done, games changing. Just wouldn't change. Bobby Knight, the coach, is Russell Westbrook, the player. Russell Westbrook's really successful. If you'd have told any parent 
that your son at 12 years old is going to be an NBA superstar, have a $100 million shoe deal, make $300 million playing basketball, and win the MVP. Would that be a successful child? Yes. Russell's really successful. But he's not going to change. You cannot change his game. That would be changing his personality. If you told Russell, be more passive, that would be total weakness. That's not who he is. So Charles Barkley suggested what I think is the only way to fix this OKC problem. And again, they're a playoff team. It's not the end of the world. They win a bunch of games. They sell out their arena. There are bigger problems in the NBA, basically 20 teams below them. But here's what Charles Barkley suggested OKC do. I think it's time to move Russ to the two. Because I think he's too aggressive offensively. You play Schroeder and and Westbrook together all the time? Yes. Because I think he's so good and aggressive. He's always driving at 100 miles an hour. He should drive at 55, sometimes raise to 70. You don't drive your car at 100 all the time. This is what you do. Schroeder's the one. Russell's the two. You cannot change Westbrook's game because asking to change his game would be changing his personality but you can change his position you can change his position he's a little stubborn as a dude his game's a little stubborn okay so let's change the position it's futile there there was a moment this year they were having a media scrum it was in March it was after kind of a bad loss and somebody suggested during the media scrum the next day at shoot around about changing and Westbrook snapped I'm reading it here change what have I changed in 11 years Westbrook interrupted no you're not going to change his game and I just don't think by the way what Barkley said is what I said about John Wall when he broke into this league I said this 10 year eight years ago about John Wall I said he's going to be going 100 miles an hour and it's a 70-mile-an-hour league, is that Westbrook and John Wall and Iverson, to a large degree, were playing by themselves. You can still get eight assists and play by yourself when you have the ball in your hands. But but I think what you have to do is you have to move Russ to the two. Schroeder's at the one. He's a solid player. Paul's your three. Adams is your big. And then you got to go out and draft another shooter or two. Uh, do whatever you can to fix that issue. Um, but I think Barkley's right here. Um, and I, and I think Russell, the player, reminds me of Bobby Knight, the coach. Once you get successful and have stacks of money, um, and you've got rings and awards, MVP and coach of the year and titles, getting successful people to change about the only way you can do it is if you walk up to them and say, uh, listen, if you don't stop smoking, you're going to die. Well, I'm going to die. Okay. I'll change. I heard a doctor say that once. He said, it's much easier. To get some people to change, they don't have options. He said, once people are successful and have options, to convince them in a doctor's office to change their lifestyle, they don't want to do it. Hey, look at me. I'm successful. He goes, the one way to change is you're going to die if you don't change. Okay, I'll change. I'll stop smoking. I'll stop eating, you know, pork chops for breakfast or, or whatever you eat. Um, and I think with Russ, you just change his position. You still say, play your butt off, be a, be a human tornado, be relentless, be athletic. Don't screw with this game. It is what it is. We're just not going to give you 31 shots. You're going to get 19 because Schroeder's going to make different decisions on who to pass the ball to. Well, this is the difference between being great and being the greatest, right? You have to evolve. It's It's hard to get to the top. It's harder to stay at the top. That's why... Athletes like Tom Brady or LeBron are so fascinating because they've been able to be great for such a consistent amount of time. And evolve. 
and evolve because the game is not going to stay the same no matter what what sport or what yeah. company or what business you're in everything yeah. changes you have to stay with it and find the way to be great with that change yeah chris carter talked about that on first things first this morning what he would do if he ran the oklahoma city thunder the change that need to be made is the franchise needs to revolve around paul george I need to somehow get him healthier for the playoffs. Let's not forget, George didn't play well in the playoffs, but justifiably he did have a bad shoulder injury. He was spectacular the first two-thirds of the season. So for me, if I'm the franchise, all right, Paul George is going to be the guy. And when I start getting in games like this, I'm going to lean on him more because it's easier, too, when your leader is a two-way player compared to being the way Russ and the way Russ plays the game. And I think I talked about this uh, <clears throat> to start the show an hour ago. Uh, parents do this all the time. They, they sit down and have the big talk um, with their teenagers, and it's uncomfortable. Um, but, but parents always have the built-in authority. They're parents. I think you sit down and you, and you try to – there's an old saying uh, in coaching. As you're kicking a guy in the butt, you're patting him on the back, and you're going to kick Russ in the butt and pat him on the back. You're going to say, Russell – um, we love what you bring to the table. We love your athleticism. We love your uh, intensity. Uh, we're going to move you to the two, and it's going to be the same game. Because if you ask him to change his game and his position, you lost him. You just ask him, want to move you over to the two? Uh, there'll, there'll still be times you'll have the ball, but uh, we, we got to get, we, we want to be a more distribute, distribute, distribution based at the point. And Schroeder's our guy. And so you have the big talk with him and how it lands, it lands. You've enabled him for a long time. I don't have a lot of pity for OKC. If I could see this coming three years ago and I don't work in the front office, OKC should have seen this coming five years ago. I shouldn't be able to get it right before a team. Okay, I've been on this for like three and a half years now. This is not, you can't win with this. I could bring out the hammer today on Westbrook. There's no point in that. I won the debate. The key is now, where do you go from here? And I think Barkley's right. Just just move him over, Schroeder in, Westbrook too. And I also think, I want to show it again, you know, we talk a lot about Westbrook because they've really been the team that got us into this series. I mean, if this was, we didn't, nobody watched last year when Portland lost to the Pelicans because you didn't have the marquee guy to get you into the theater. And, and that is definitely Westbrook. But Damian Lillard, for a five-game series that was lopsided, was just a fascinating player. And I think he now moves into the top four point guards in the NBA, and it's taken him a while. What I like about this is that Damian Lillard is a great example for all you college kids. Okay, for all you college guys that think you're going to walk into the NBA and take it over, Dame walked into this league. He's been swept in series. He hasn't made the playoffs. He's had injuries. He's had to share the ball sometimes with CJ McCullough. It has been a long road for Dame to this moment. This has not been easy. This has not been linear. Michael Jordan, a lot of you forget, you didn't watch him if you're 20 or 30 years old. Michael Jordan got the you-know-what kicked out of him for six years in the East. The, he got his butt kicked. He got tossed like a crouton in a salad bowl all over the floor. And then Michael got that body armor. So by the time Michael was the man and Larry Bird was done and the Pistons were done, Michael was just a rock emotionally, physically, and Dame's a rock. Because Dame's seen the bottom. Dame's missed the playoffs. Dame's been hurt. Dame went to Weber State. Dame's been swept. It just shows you how hard the NBA is. This idea, I'm a star. Give me the shots. That was Magic Johnson's life. He walked into the league and had Kareem. It doesn't work that way. 
That's not the way the league works. That is once in a lifetime. Michael Jordan got crapped on and Barkley dead and Stockton dead and Isaiah dead and everybody dead except Magic, who just happened to inherit, I don't know, the best center of all time. Let's go to the shot that changed the world, at least for Dame. Eight on the shot clock and game clock. Westbrook into the lane on Aminu. Forced up a shot. It rolls off. Rebounded Chief. In a tie ball game, Damien will bring it up the floor with 14. You want the last shot. Damien clears midcourt. He's got 11. Tied at 115. Crowd rising to the feet. George will defend Lillard. Spread floor. Lillard with 47 tonight. Working it down to two to one. A deep three. Oh! That's just a great scene. Right next to the fans uh, at the Rose Garden. Yeah, it's wonderful. Steph, Harden, Kyrie, and Lillard. The killers. Uh, Coming up next, Rick Buecher plus the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, have made a move, and I think it's a smart one. That's coming up. Have you tried the incredible high-quality meat? from Butcher Box. You're going to be blown away. Okay, first of all, they work with the best farms and companies committed to raising animals humanely. Ethical process. Better quality, better tasting, more nutrient-dense meat. No added hormones ever. They deliver it for free right to your door. 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, Bristol Bay, Alaska, wild-caught sockeye salmon, and over 20 different cuts of meat in customizable boxes. All sorts of options, again with free shipping. That's a month's worth of the best-tasting meat from ButcherBox. Less than 6 bucks a meal. ButcherBox offering my listeners the ultimate breakfast bundle. Two packs of bacon, two pounds of breakfast sausage, plus 20 bucks off your first box. All you got to do is sign up. That's it. Sign up. Go to ButcherBox.com slash herd. H- E-R-D. Grass-fed beef, organic chicken, Bristol Bay, Alaska, wild-caught sockeye salmon. Come on, kids. We're late. Honey, the car won't start. Mom, the dog just sat on my science project. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases, with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day, with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com. Hey, guys, shooting a promo. This is The Herd. Three, two, one. With Colin Cowherd. I'm not going to bring out the hammer on Westbrook today. What's the point? Why be mean-spirited? I'm not a bully. That game wasn't about Westbrook. That game was about Damian Lillard. The series was about Damian Lillard. Westbrook got you to the series. 
Just like movie stars get you into the theater. And then you watch the movie and you realize there's a new movie star. It's official. Damian Lillard has moved himself in to the top four elite point guards in the league. I'd call them the killers. Steph, Harden, Lillard, and Kyrie. They are the killers. You don't want the ball near their hands with a minute left. Westbrook, okay, I'll be a jerk once. He's the momentum killer. Eight on the shot clock. And game clock. Westbrook into the lane. Ah, Naminu. Forced up a shot. It rolls off. This is the herd. There is a lot of ego there. With Colin Cowherd. 